from Cambridge 105 Radio. This is The Business of Cambridge with Sue Keogh. Series 2, Episode 4, Hospitality, is brought to you by our friends at Third Light. Transforming how marketers manage their digital media. Hello and welcome to the Business of Cambridge. We'll shortly be getting essential tips on cash flow from our resident expert on money. But the main focus today is hospitality. There isn't a single pub, restaurant or hotel that's been untouched by the restrictions relating to COVID-19. With me to talk through these challenges and their creative solutions to keep the money coming in are Ollie Thane from Cam's Cuisine and Nick Davis from The Plough in Shepreth. Ollie, we last spoke in Series 1 when you were telling me how you'd grown Cam's Cuisine to this amazing group of pubs and restaurants like the Cambridge Chop House, Smokeworks, Three Horseshoes and a lot has happened since. Just take me back to Spring 2020 and give me a snapshot of what happened and the impact on your different outlets. Well, we were going along nicely, but then obviously we had this sudden dramatic closure when Boris announced that we had the uh, don't go to a pub on that Friday and a weekend was completely dead and then he closed us down following Friday. And ever since then, it's been, you know, hackney phrase, but a roller coaster, you know, we've we've closed. And then the massive decision on furloughing, which was utterly vital. We were sat around the microphone like a wartime sort of announcement. And then we had to get the, a loan to cover our costs. That was a big thing six weeks later. So it was a pretty worrying time. Made some redundancies in the summer, which was obviously very difficult. And then we had Etail to help out, which was a real success for us. And actually, we had three or four fantastic months of trading and profit. It was, it was a really good period. Then we had to close again. And then we had a pretty poor Christmas, frankly. Didn't go particularly well, but managed to stay open and, and get it done until Christmas Day. And obviously had to close again, Boxing Day, all pretty much tier four. And then lockdown again. So it's been highs and lows. It's been difficult. Quite enjoyed the challenge in a funny sort of way. But that's been us in the last year in a nutshell. Yes, it's a lot of highs and lows and and different changes to cope with all the time. How about you, Nick? You run the Plough and Shepworth, which is known for its great music. So what's been the toughest thing for you to deal with over the past year? Well, Ollie summed it up pretty well, I think. You know, we're a different business to Cam's Cuisine. Obviously, we're, we're, you know, much, much smaller. We're one site located rurally. But actually, the industry is broadly the same. Hospitality does cover a broad range of different types of businesses but it was the constant change that was the biggest challenge you know the the adapting the actual operation wasn't once you decided what you were doing it wasn't that difficult but the the planning you were constantly planning you know when a a different type of restriction came in or a different tier level or whatever it was Um, and you were constantly trying to second guess and then when you got the announcements you know you were redesigning the business almost from the ground up in many ways. And it was a challenge, and I would also agree that I quite enjoyed that challenge. A bit of an adrenaline rush throughout the whole thing. (laughs) Has it been quite difficult to communicate this to customers? Because I know myself with the rules changing all the time, I have to keep checking before, you know, when I do leave the house, I'm checking to see what's right and wrong. With the rules changing all the time, has it been difficult for you to, to get that across to people as well? I think that's very general. I mean, people have been confused by the information anyway. And some of it has, you know, not been very clear. Some of it's very open to interpretation. And I think what we found quite a lot is that people decided to interpret the rules in their own way. You know, you'd have customers coming into our place 
that didn't understand, you know, I don't know, our safety measures, for example, or our one-way systems that we had and, and all that kind of stuff. And initially, people would challenge you, you know, and say, well, you don't have to do that. Why are you doing that? And kind of our answer was kind of the same thing. You know, there are quite a few grey areas, but this is what we do. Have you found customers on the whole pretty good, though? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so have it, we, it, actually. Yeah. It took them a while. Initially, when restrictions were eased in July, people were so keen to get back to what they were used to that even though they were aware that there were restrictions on numbers and how they operated within a pub and table service and all that kind of stuff, initially, a lot of people came in expecting it to be as it was before lockdown. But it didn't take long for them to sort of settle down and, and buy into it. I think it's about... Uh, you know, sort of respect for for your business. There were a handful that just, just didn't get it, but it was no more than a handful. So, Ollie, um, you've got quite a large workforce. Tell me how the staff dealt with this, because if you're a waiter, waitress, then you probably enjoy all of those lovely little human interactions, those niceties, and a lot of that has been stripped back. They've had to tell people to keep their distance, wear masks, be quite bossy. <laughs> how have your, yeah. your teams dealt with this? Yeah, I thought, well, they've been brilliant, of course. They, they really have. And it is, it is adding a whole new dimension to their, to their job and has changed their job markedly, I would say. But it's all about hospitality for us. I went into hospitality originally, you know, started the business 20 years ago because I loved beer. I love seeing people happy and coming in and relaxing, enjoying themselves, shouting goodbye across the bar and, you know, just generally just seeing that conviviality, that hospitality throughout. That's what I love. And, I'm, and, and, and I know Nick's the same. And to suddenly be wearing masks and having to ask people to stay there, please, please you know, but because obviously you have to, and you have to be following these rules right now. And, well, sorry, previously when we were open, to also to let them, the other customers sat down and who are observing as well, let them know this is a safe place to be, to come and eat and come and come and spend time and have a drink. So it was really, really important that we were doing that. But as you say, Sue, it's, it's added workload to these guys. No one's pretending it's the same. It really is. Yes, yeah. <laughs> You're listening to The Business of Cambridge with me, Sue Keogh, and Ollie Thane from Cam's Cuisine and Nick Davis from The Plough. And let me ask you about how quickly you moved to coming up with alternative solutions to keep the money coming in. So, Ollie, what were some of the ideas that you explored and developed throughout the year? When we heard the furlough and we got the loan and we knew we were going to be safe for a while, I thought, right, straight away we were doing uh, meal kits, uh, particularly smoke work. So we got you can order a Smokeworks meal kit, you can cook at home. These cook at home kits actually went really well. We And actually the first weekend, I think was it Mothering Sunday, I think, we did Sunday lunches, go and pick up hot from the pubs. But the problem with that is doing that every Sunday is you've got to turn the pub on, get staff in, get them off furlough, get them in there for, in, in our local pubs, for who knows how many lunch kits so that just didn't work going forward so actually we centralized it all we probably make a little bit it probably keeps a business ticking over it's certainly not financially it's not helping that much but it's keeping the the brand at soft brands such as we are cam's cuisine and smokeworks in people's minds eye and shows shows that we're actually trying to provide something during this period we didn't do it initially and the reason that we changed our minds and started doing takeaway food from the pub was that People wanted to support us. They weren't particularly looking, you know, saying, well, you know, I want some takeaway food on a Friday or a Saturday night or whatever. But they were really, really keen 
to offer us some kind of support. That was really, really heartening. Yeah, tell me about live music. So that's obviously a big thing for you and you wanted to keep it going. So so tell me how you came up with a way to do that. You realise that you're going into dangerous waters here because I can talk for hours <laughs> about live music. <laughs> so it, it is, music in all forms is a passion of mine and always has been. And uh, it's always been a cornerstone of what we do at The Plough. Going back to something that we were talking about earlier about people travelling from Cambridge, that's quite a challenge. You know, there's a lot of music fans in Cambridge. There's a lot of very, very good live bands in Cambridge. No problem getting people to come and play. We're, we're very, very well supported by musicians from all over the place. Sometimes, you know, getting getting people out to watch it to make the effort to get on the train and come to Shepworth has been, you know, has been a challenge. But when we went into lockdown, the first thing we did was build a stage outside on a terrace. The pub has a, you know, a really nice terrace, covered terrace on the back. You couldn't have live music inside at that point. You know, you couldn't have people that sang. You couldn't have brass instruments because they, you know, blow germs out the trumpets and all that kind of, you know, which is a, it sounds ridiculous, but it's fair enough. So effectively, live music wasn't allowed inside. You were also, you couldn't have anything, even background music, that would cause your customers to have to raise their voices and their or increase the risk. So there was obviously a pent-up demand because there was no live music anywhere. So we were one of probably, I think, only two venues putting stuff on. There was us and the Flying Pig in Hills Road that we worked pretty closely with anyway, and we were the only two venues doing it. So there was a huge demand, and we we reaped the benefit of that. After when we went into lockdown again or, you know, the various sort of variations of the, the tier system, and we couldn't have audiences again, we began experimenting with live streaming. So we got in touch with the Musicians' Union and looked at all the regulations. And you know, long story short, you can come to work if your work is a musician and you are, and that can be a rehearsal or it can be a live stream. That is work and you can do that as long as you are very strict on your safety measures and what have you, you can do it. So we cobbled together some cameras and we're fortunate we've got quite a bit of sort of sound gear and bits and pieces lying about so we effectively we built a tv studio in front of the bar and when it got really going we were doing three nights a week wednesdays fridays and saturdays bands were very keen to play there's a system that musicians use called tip jar which is you know like a paypal thing which we ran as a banner across the bottom of the broadcast where that people could click on and they could donate to the musicians so all the money went straight to the musicians and that worked really well we were all surprised you know it it generated significant income for the bands that played so we we kind of every week we bought another bit of wire to make it look better and <laughs> work a bit better and you know um borrowed a camera a different camera from someone else and it really did generate some some money for the musicians. And, and, and so, it got, so it, now that's all set up, is that something you're going to continue with um, yes. you know, in, in a year's time you'll still be doing this? Yeah, well, when, you know, when we were able to put, um, have audiences back in again, we continued to do it. I'm going to jump on that train and come and see you, Nick, that's for sure. I'm looking Fantastic. forward to it. <laughs> I came for that. a pint of side pocket for a toad in, in the oh, summer yeah. and thoroughly okay. enjoyed that, so yeah. I'll, 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 be, I'll be doing that. Lovely. Fantastic. I should look forward to that. Everyone's <laughs> going to be uh, beating down the doors, I think. Sounds great. And how about with you, Ollie? What are those things that you're going to bring forward? You know, changes that you made or, um, you know, offerings that you brought in that you're going to carry forward into the next year as well? Well, just on the meal kits, that's very hard to say. If we feel that the meal kits are worth doing going forward, we will do them without a shadow of a doubt. It's very hard to know how that will be taken up once people can get out again. 
But is it in people's psyche now that every Friday night they order a meal kit? I suspect there's probably something there for smoke works in particular and delivery and takeaway. But for, for us, actually, what we've done in the last year is we've obviously had to make the business much leaner. So we'll be a leaner business going forward. You know, the management have had to take on skills they didn't realise they, 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 need, they ever had or needed to have. Um, so we've had to absorb some, some skills into our management set and, and develop those. And, and so actually going forward, I feel very positive when we're able to get up and running. I feel that we'll be a leaner, sharper, more focused business. We, we bought in some pods at the Three Horseshoes in the Cock at Hemingford, which were a fantastic success when they got when they finally arrived in sort of early November. They were very busy. Um, we'll be obviously continuing with those, and we'll, and we'll have those. Those have got real longevity. They're, they're, they're guaranteed for 10 years. So we're looking at spending more money in the gardens going forward and making those, those really great places to eat and dine. And it's about keeping connected to our staff because that was the biggest challenge probably in that first six months was keeping our staff going. It's not easy and much easier in the summer than it is now. You know, I do a weekly video, just just only three or four minutes, but to everyone just saying, look, keep going. You know, if you're in any trouble, keep in touch because I think it's probably pretty difficult for a lot of people right now. And so staying connected to the teams is absolutely vital. And keeping that energy, trying to keep that energy within. Yeah, the I would absolutely agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I underestimated the effect on staff. You know, I, I think particularly when we reopened, I was thinking how difficult it would be for the customers. And, and I, you know, unlike you, we train people pretty well and, and we have very solid systems in place. What I completely had missed was the emotional effect on the staff of having to do that you know and, and as you rightly say we're in hospitality for, for for fairly obvious reasons we want we want people in want to have a good time and, and and that's what we all enjoy doing the majority of our team that first weekend back were on on the verge of tears all the time because they just couldn't you know they just it was not what they wanted to do it's going to be amazing is it sorry to interrupt nick but it's going, yeah, it's going no, to be no, amazing no. isn't it when we can when you can and i keep saying to this oh god it's, it's one exciting, day isn't it? <laughs> one day you'll be able to people will be able to walk in the door and you can yeah. you know they can behave normally it's good yeah. i cannot wait for that and actually oh, the job, absolutely. The job will just feel fantastic again you yeah. know yeah on my local the maypole which I live, literally live around the corner, have done a superb job at making customers safe. And Vin, the, the owner there, has been incredible. He does such a great job. But it is, it, you can see it's its so different. I just can't wait to pop around the Maypole, frankly, and just have yeah. a pint in totally normal yeah. circumstances, although they've done a <laughs> wonderful job. And, uh, you know, I think our staff are going to love it and feel that, uh, honestly, the bars, you know, they do feel like they're in a, a bit of a cage at the moment and then the, the, the bars will drop away and they'll honestly just be able to open up again and personalities will come out again although i've got to say they've been amazing yeah, um, I've, I've had but, but we can't wait. Stunning. We yeah. can't wait for normal. Can't times. wait, absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing your your experiences with me today, and wishing you all the very best for the coming year. And yeah, like you, I can't wait to get back out again. <laughs> so, Ollie Thane from Cam's Cuisine and Nick Davis from the Plough and Shepherd, thank you very much. Thank you, Sue. Thanks, Sue. You're listening to the Business of Cambridge, brought to you by Third Light. And next up, we're talking cash flow with Kelly Anstey from Taxwag. She's got some useful pointers to help you manage it much more effectively. So, Kelly, what are the common problems that you see when it comes to cash flow in the businesses that you work with? 
I think sometimes when people set up a business, they're very keen to sort of run with their idea and get out there and sell, 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 but they may not have like considered perhaps their overheads or any other costs that they need to pay. Um, so I feel sometimes that if you don't plan in advance, you're going to be sort of falling down the road later on down the line. Um, I mean, a really simple thing is just being aware of what expenses you've got to pay in the future and perhaps the timing of your tax bills. So um, the first thing that you would want to do ideally is forecast your sales. You can predict how much you're going to earn and it's got to be sort of based on real numbers. Um, however, in the future, you know, you might have a new service or a new product that might want to pop out there and you're going to want to draw that up in your cash flow forecast. You know, if you're a seasonal kind of business and you know that a particular product sells very well in the winter months, um, then do, you know, pop that along into your cash flow. Um, with other costs, you might not foresee them. For example, some people forget that there may be some hidden costs along the way, like insurances and stuff. And I think that's where cash flow can sometimes come a cropper. You know, people are very used to paying their monthly direct debits, but may well forget an annual subscription or something along those lines that need to, you know, add up, so to speak. And of course, um, lately, there's, there's been all sorts of things that have disrupted people's plans. But I think there's quite a lot out there that we can take advantage of as business owners. So around tax and grants and loans, what are you seeing out there that is helping businesses at the moment? I had a client um, recently, actually, he decided to apply for one of the funds that was available, but it wasn't from the government. So he works in the uh, arts industry and he was able to apply for a cultural grant. Um, within the cultural grant, it was just set for people in his industry. However, um, he had to put a good you know cash flow together and a forecast to explain why he needed the money now he was only entitled to that because he had a trading business before and you know it was successful um so yeah he's done very well and he's managed to secure himself some extra money to keep him going throughout this time you know he was actually one of the gentlemen that lit up the nhs as blue i don't know if anybody remembers that about a year ago when there was uh, the night at the yeah it was a lovely guy there have also been other opportunities where um, the rates grant, for example, although a lot of local councils had money left over. Um, so it was actually down to the um, customer per se to give them a ring and find out whether or not they could have actually got some additional money. If you're in your industry and you've got sort of a federation surrounding it, I would strongly suggest to get involved in the industry details and find out what other grants can be available. I mean, the rates and the cultural grants, they're really nice to know about. Um, but then with regards to other things, as I said, just look inside your industry and find out what might apply to you. Because um, there's quite a lot of stuff out there that actually isn't government backed. I mean, we're aware of like furlough and CJRS and stuff like that um, and the SEI SS claims but these other things that are designed for industries I would strongly suggest doing a little bit of background research and seeing if there's some money left over because you know people don't want to see their businesses closing um, and there are people out there to help other people so yeah get your Google on and have a little look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah how easy is it for business owners to work out what they're entitled to because I know at the start of the pandemic there were some grants available and it's all quite clear cut but over time there seems to be all these little grants here and there and then there's um, bounce back loans and sibyls and and all the rest so how easy is it to work out what you're actually what you can actually claim for? To be honest with you, when it's stuff through the bank, is very easy because it was set from the government. Um, as you said, there are lots of other little bits that are popped around. So there's something called um, an enterprise nation where businesses can just get free advice. So it doesn't necessarily have to be um, in terms of money. You know, you might be struggling with money, so you might want to get some free HR advice or some free legal advice or something along that, perhaps even some marketing. 
and that's hosted outside. So that's a lovely thing to have available. I'd say a lot of people nowadays, um, just uh, Google is really your strongest thing. I mean, speak to other people in your industry. You may well find that, you know, the competitor slash somebody that you could collaborate with actually might have the answers for you you know you might find that someone else in your industry has always already managed to apply for something um so you know do your research have a little look in your magazines and you know whatever you do every month to keep on top of your business and those sort of traits and then what about something which is always going to hit businesses pandemic or no pandemic and that's people who don't pay their invoices on time so what are your tips on chasing late payers (laughs) (laughs) very naughty Uh, people my tips nowadays is just get everyone to pay up front i think the uh, that only works to a certain degree i suppose but with the online world that we're living in i think people are becoming more accepting to the fact that people uh, that you need to sort of pay as you go sort of thing so I would say that's your strongest start at the moment is switch everything into an online product or service you know if you've only if you're only sending services but you can list them on your website with a price um, you'll be well away um, so I'd suggest something like that to help start it off and do you find that when people take this different approach that the people who are owing the money, they're actually quite, you know, they, they don't mind it so much. It's almost like they expect it to be done differently nowadays. Yeah, I do. I think with other people as well, like I've spoken to certain clients that were like, you know, I'm, I'm owed in a little bit of money and I'm not really sure what to do. You know, I'd like to put pressure on the client, but at the same time, I want to keep a good working relationship. And I think that's the trouble um, with a lot of business owners. You know, they want to get the money in and they want to keep a good relationship but at the end of the day you can't be a charity um so i would always say the best thing to do is keep your customers close build a really strong relationship with them and then it always reduces your chance of having an unpaid debt i, I mean i know a client that decided to they'd got to the point where they were cherry picking what kind of work they were doing just to make sure they got paid um obviously that just sort of caused a few problems um but i think what they realised is that if they applied for a bounce back loan, what they could actually do is sort of facilitate that debtor day. Um, now, ideally, I wouldn't ever suggest that to go along for new clients. It just depends what sort of, uh, to all self-employed people, so it just depends what type of um, business you're in. But yeah, I think the best way to avoid a debt nowadays is just to get people to pay up front. Um, and I don't think it's that I don't think it would be rejected. I think it would be quite welcome because at least that way people know that they're definitely getting the service or the product that they've ordered on the date that they want it by. Um, I would say with regards to old debts, like very old debts, you know, it might be worth just writing a few of them off. Um, At least that way it will sit better in your accounts and you won't be paying any tax on it. (laughs) But yeah, you know, if you can, you know, if that bad debt does finally pay, then go for it. I mean, there's a lot of, um, you could just offer people the time to pay, you know, something that the Inland Revenue do. You may well not have the money at the moment. Uh, For example, the VAT deferment that is supposed to be paid, um, you know, this year, the Revenue have announced that they're going to extend it to give people that extra time to pay. Um, So instead of it all being paid in one lump, you know, there's a few criteria surrounding it, but you can actually pay it off over, you know, a later period. That would be really helpful for a lot of people that at the time took up the deferment because they thought, oh, yeah, business will be good, but they perhaps didn't foresee that there might have been a lockdown just previous to that. So some really good news that's been announced recently is I think um, bounce back loans have been sort of the chat of the year. Everybody wants one. Everybody's got one. Um, And then it comes to the reality of everyone's got to pay it back. Um, They've extended the first repayment period from 12 to 18 months. Hurrah! So in that six month period, you will be charged interest. But, you know, we're talking two and a half percent. So it's not going to be much. I think for a lot of people, that's going to take off so much pressure. Um, I had a client of mine at the beginning that decided 
against my wishes <laughs> or my recommendations to go and pay off all of his uh, plant and machinery that he'd got with his bounce back loan. So all he'd done is paid off a loan with another loan and then didn't have the money in the bank. Um, he then had his van stolen, <laughs> poor guy, uh, about a month ago and he's managed to get the insurance paperwork through and everything's fine. But he was like, Kelly, what am I going to do? Um, you know, to be able to tell him he's got another six months to sort it out because he thought he was going to have to start repaying sort of in May and to think that he's got another six months on top of that it's just going to make it so much easier you can go and earn some money a lot of people have been in lockdown for the last few months they've not even been able to go out and earn any money to pay back for the bounce back so it's difficult you know don't forget that the top up's been extended from six to 12 years um and that this extension if you want the 18 month thing you have to apply for it um, there is a date so do go out and google it and have a little look um but yeah you can also take holidays on bounce back loans that you could do with mortgages. So don't be afraid of the bounce back loan. It was here to help us, not to hinder us. And thankfully, the government are on board with, you know, tweaking it so that it works out well for everybody. But make sure you speak to your bank about getting the best type of bounce back that you can get. Do it today. Yeah, so there's always a solution somehow. OK, thank yeah, you, Kelly. Yeah. That was really helpful. Really good tips there on cash flow. That was Kelly Anstey from Taxwag. Thank you. Coming up next time, we're talking about the important role played by Cambridge companies in the fight back against COVID. And our resident expert tells you what you need to know if you're launching a new brand. The Business of Cambridge was presented by Sue Keogh and brought to you in association with Third Light. It's a TDC production for Cambridge 105 Radio and you can find previous episodes on our website or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>